Rosh Hashanah, the new year. I get very, very excited. Um, in fact, I was just talking about my wife every year at Rosh Hashanah. East Coast feels different than the West Coast. In, in, at the end of August, my wife is starting to say, I feel the change in the air. I say, no, you don't. It's the same. It's California. Next week, it's going to be hot. And then there'll be beautiful days. I said, you don't really see that, feel the change in the, in, the West, in the East Coast, we do. There's a change. The leaves start changing. Everything changes. The holidays are upon us, and I happen, my, my favorite, well, I'm weird, so my favorite hol- uh, season is the winter, which shows how weird I am. But, uh, but winter out here is different than on the East Coast, which makes me even more weird because in the East Coast it's dread and dreary and horrible. But here, the seasons come upon us, and there's all kinds of exciting things that happen in the season at this time of the year. There's spiritual things. Um, I focus on... I try to focus on the spiritual things. There's athletic things as well. We all get excited for the football, the end of uh, the season for baseball. Football begins. Uh, I, I, I'm supposed to say hockey, too, for some of people enjoy hockey. Right. Right. But, but especially the Jewish holidays. The Jewish holidays, for me, growing up, they were always really, really special uh, at this time of the year. Um, not just because we got a couple days off from school, uh, but it, it, was, it was just a good, good time, good feeling in the air. And so we, had, we got ready for the Jewish holidays in, in many different ways. And as we got ready for the holidays, we just prepared our hearts to go to synagogue and to remember and welcome in these holidays. These are special holidays these next couple days, a uh, couple weeks, for Rosh Hashanah, which begins the season. And then we have, of course, Yom Kippur and uh, Sukkot. And then we add on Simchat Torah, which isn't biblical, but we, uh, it's not unbiblical, but it's uh, in the Bible, and we love to add that to it. So it, it is a special time. People always ask me about the holidays. Um, who asked me about the holidays? Well, you do. You believers. Jewish believers say, you know, I, I, I like the holidays. I don't know what they're all about. I hear about it, but, you know, you forget it next week. Uh, Gentile believers, sometimes they, they are familiar with it, but they like to know what's their part. How do they fit in? Then there's the non-believing community, our Jewish community, they think they know a lot about the holiday. They really don't. Most of our Jewish people are busy right now. They'll walk up to you if you haven't heard them. They'll say Happy New Year. They'll greet you with a, a warm uh, Happy New Year. And that's pretty much what most of our people know. Uh, you could test them. In fact, a lot of times you ask me, how do you share your faith with Jewish people? Well, here's one way. Here's what you say to them. This is Happy New Year. Happy Rosh Hashanah. Um, just say, I'm new to all this. If you're new, if you're not, just say, I'm confused about, if you're not confused, find something to tell them. And just ask them, can you tell me about your holiday? And they will try to make up something because uh, they really are not familiar with it. And I'm, I'm not attacking my people. Uh, we grew up in the, in the synagogue, and our, our people love the fact that there's a class. Oh, no, not for them. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. Oh. All collective? Oh. So you don't have to feel so bad. 
I mentioned before, uh, the other day, actually, yesterday, actually, uh, actually, I didn't mention this, uh, on the Jewish holidays, many, many years, I felt guilty. I did. As a Jewish believer who accepted Yeshua, Jesus as the Messiah, I, you, Jewish people feel guilty because most Jewish people in the world don't believe in Yeshua. So we feel guilty sometimes. You almost feel like you betrayed your people. And I know for our Jewish people, they all come out to the synagogue on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and a lot of people are confused. Why do they do that? And I say it's much like the quote Christian world. Many, many people in the Christian world come out on the birth of Messiah, Christmas. They come out for the resurrection of the Messiah. They call it that E word, uh, Easter. And so they flock there, and many of our people come out because it feels Jewish, and they're supposed to come out. But they really don't know. I like to summarize it, as I did for you uh, the other day. If you want, write this down very quickly. Passover simply means God has redeemed the world, Jew and Gentile, summarizing each Jewish holiday. Passover, God redeemed the world. The next holiday is first fruits or resurrection. Um, Like I said, the mess of the world calls that Easter, and there's a lot of pagan pagan uh, uh, customs that go in with that, but not with us. It's resurrection or the Jewish holiday of first fruits. And that simply is the Messiah has been resurrected, and we will too. Next one that we talk about is Shavuot. God gave our people his law. He's also given us his spirit to keep that law. The next of the Jewish holidays, I'm going to skip over Rosh Hashanah. I'll get back to that, is Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, God has atoned and cleansed, for, cleansed the nation of Israel. And that will take place in the future. I know you say he did with the death of Messiah. That's Passover. The death of the Messiah made everything else possible. The death of the Messiah makes the fulfillment of Yom Kippur possible when God will cleanse a nation of Israel someday in the future. But it makes us available today for God to cleanse us because Messiah died. Yom Kippur, simply, God will cleanse his people. Sukkot, the last of the Jewish holidays that we will worship God and celebrate, God did and dwells in his people. God dwelt in the wilderness. He will dwell with his people in the future. He dwells with us today. Rosh Hashanah, the holiday, it begins tonight at sundown. Uh, Rosh Hashanah, I summarized it actually yesterday very easily. The real, real, there's a lot that goes into Rosh Hashanah. It's amazing when you think of this, because in Rosh Hashanah, of all the list of Jewish holidays in Leviticus 22, uh, Leviticus 23, forgive me, forgive me. So all the Jewish holidays, they say so much about it. Rosh Hashanah, it says the least about it. It's a, you're just like two or three verses, and yet there's so much to say about it. And so we'll see a lot of, lot of Rosh Hashanah. But if you want to summarize it, the true, true bottom line fulfillment of Rosh Hashanah is God will gather his people together. Now, there's a lot that you could say, but I truly believe the sounding of the trumpet is to signify that God will officially gather his people. You're going to see that in Scripture. That's the fulfillment of it. Now, there's a lot that goes with it. Now, I said yesterday four words that we always focus on. One word, which I focused on yesterday, is repentance. Now, that's a word I don't like. Uh, The world doesn't like, conjures up all kinds of weird ideas. The word repentance just means turn, turn back. And the Bible, that almost, almost is your main message in the Bible. Turn back to God. 
And the word, when we talk about the four words, one is repentance, God calls the whole world to turn back to him. The whole world. God has reconciled the world. God sent the Messiah to die for the world. And now God says, turn to me all the ends of the earth and be saved. God calls the whole world to turn to him. God calls the believers who've already turned to him for you to turn back to God. It's especially at this time of the year. You could turn back to God all year long, and you should be, for things we do. We confess our sins. But at this time of the year, we like to think this is the time that we reflect, and we should be turning back to God. God loves when you admit how weak, how sinful, and how wrong you are. It goes so against our grain, doesn't it? How do you say, I am so wrong? I, I told husbands yesterday, the answer to their marriages. All husbands, the, I have the answer for your marriage. I told you, it's very, very easy. This is what husbands, to have a happy marriage, this is all you have to remember. Three things. I was wrong. I am sorry. Would you forgive me? Your marriage will be the happiest marriage in the world. That's all you have to remember. Never, you were wrong, you did bad. No, I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Repentance is great. We need to turn back to God. We need repentance. Believers need to turn back to God. Non-believers need to turn back to God. And at this time of the year, you and I need to turn to each other. We really do. And probably the best thing to do to, if you're going to search and reflect on your heart is that you should say, uh, I don't have to turn and go to my friends and to those who I like, who I might have hurt and offended, of course they're going to forget. You have to go to those people you don't like. You have to think about those people that run you, rub you the wrong way. I mean, not all of us gel. Some of us have trouble with each other. And that's normal. That's okay. God made us all different. But God wants us to have, be devoted to each other and brotherly love. So we need to turn to each other. The second word that I mentioned is uh, remembrance. And when you talk about this holiday of remembrance, there's a couple aspects of it. But remembrance during Passover is God remembered. I'm sorry, not Passover. Rosh Hashanah. God remembered you. There's another aspect of us remembering God. But the main focus is God remembered us. When they sound the trumpet, it says in Numbers, we sound the trumpet to get God's attention as if he needed it to remember us. So we dealt with that. Tonight, if I can eventually get to it, uh, I'd like to deal with two other things. One is rejoicing. When you hear the trumpet, wasn't that nice? All you up there, boy, that was not planned or choreographed or whatever. You did great up there. It was really wonderful. We have visitors up there that have come from another ministry, and we're just so thankful when you show up with your uh, trumpets, and that was very, very nice. But the, re- uh, the sounding of the trumpet is calling us to rejoice. Rejoice in the victory God brings. The sounding of the trumpet. Whenever you hear the trumpet sounds in the Scripture, it seems to be that at your worst moment, in the darkest moment, when you're in your most despair, when everything's going wrong, if you can remember the sound of the trumpet, God takes you to the point of no return, total despair, and then he opens the door and delivers you to bring glory and honor to himself and for you to praise him. We need to rejoice in the victory, especially when you hear that trumpet tonight, the victory God has brought us. No matter how deep in despair you might be in all the problems, God still has victory if you turn to him.
And the last word that we should remember as we rejoice and we return or repent and we remember the last and the fulfillment of the holidays, everyone, you could say this, and I want you to always remember this, is regathering. That's the fulfillment. Someone said, what is the fulfillment of Rosh Hashanah? Everyone tell me. Regathering. God regathers. And as we're going to see, he regathers, promised thousands of years ago with Moses, I will regather my people to the land of Israel, which tells us he will also take them out of the land. God will regather them. I believe also that with that trumpet, when God regathers his people, which I believe he's been doing for 150 or more years, God will sound that trumpet and regather or gather his believers to be with him in heaven. And we're going to look at that. I want you to look at that. First, take out your outlines, especially you who are visitors, first-timers, you who have been here before. You've heard some of this. And so, I want you to take your outlines. I want you to know, and I'll just fly over some of this, the different names of the holiday, because some of you have heard many different names of this holiday. First, the holiday is called Rosh Hashanah, or as others would say, Rosh Hashanah. Depends where you put your syllable. Everyone say it. Okay, that's the Jewish holiday. Rosh means head of the year, Hashanah of the year, Rosh, head of the year. So the normal thing that everyone always says, Rosh Hashanah, someone said just the other day to me, so this is the first of the Jewish months? I said, nothing's easy with us Jewish people, no. It's Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, it's the first of the months? I said, no, it's the seventh month. And so I, they get confused. Well, there it, because the scripture does clearly tell us the first of the month, the first of the year. The first one is Passover, Nisan. That's the first. That takes place in April. That is your religious new year. Biblically, that's where God begins after Shabbat in Leviticus 23. But Jewish people, uh, I'm not sure. I think if it was after Babylon, when they came back, they began what we call a civil new year, or started the new year. Just like uh, we have a new year on January 1st, Jewish people's really official first of the year is Rosh Hashanah. It's the seventh month. That's what they, the first of this month that takes place. And as you know, as I said the other day, all Jewish holidays begin the night before. So tonight is actually Rosh Hashanah, head of the year. Fill it in. The second thing this holiday is called is called the uh, day of the sounding of the shofar. You sound the shofar and you are supposed to remember God. You are supposed to repent. Repentance is a good thing. It's good for you to repent. How often? Now, you could do it now. Because <laughs> you just sinned a couple minutes ago. You didn't think you did. You did in your thought. You, you said. We sin all the time. Repentance is good all the time. But it's good either at night before you go to sleep, maybe in the morning, to reflect on what you've done and turn back to God. Admit it. That's all God wants us to do. Sounding the trumpet should cause us to repent or turn back. Sounding the trumpet, this holiday called Day of the Blowing the Shofar, Sounding the Shofar, calls us to remembrance, calls us to return, causes us to rejoice. Third name you could write down, it's a memorial. A memorial for blowing the shofar. It is supposed to signify the old year is dead, the new year is beginning. It's a fresh new year. It's a new start. And it is exciting because a lot of people get excited on January 1st. It's a new year. We get, to, we get to bury the past, forget last year. It was a mess. We don't like This is us right now. This is a new year. This is a, it's a symbol of hope. 
It's a memorial. You hear the trumpet blast. God does forgive, and we should realize he forgives all sin if we are faithful and to confess our sin. So it ushers in a new year. Write it down. The fourth word is for this holiday, and it's called all kinds of different things. This is the day of remembrance. Now, this is what I told you before. This, when you say the day of remembrance, means God remembered you. We are to remember him all the time. But in this official sense, it's called God is remembering you. And that should be an encouragement for all of us. Because as any... I know no one has any problems today. No one has any I find there's always a crunch for Rosh Hashanah. There's always some kind of panic going on. You know? and, and so when, when I think of Rosh Hashanah, I think of God starting over, putting the past behind me, and starting over. And when we talk about the day of remembrance, God remembers me in my struggles. And when I see those struggles, I, yeah, it's hard, but that's when God wants you to turn to him. I remember one Rosh Hashanah, one Rosh Hashanah, I mean, we started at seven. I remember one year, I weighed about 40 pounds more than I do today. It was six o'clock tonight, Rosh Hashanah. We were having our service. Six o'clock, you know where I was preparing? I was in the doctor's office. I didn't feel well. My blood pressure was about 200 over 100. He said, we have to take you to the hospital. I said, that's fine, but first I have to go preach. I have to go to the congregation. Uh, I didn't feel well. And I remember, he said, well, you might die. I said, okay, it won't be so bad. It'll be okay. I mean, I mean I'll go out. I'll be, I'll be happy. He, he was totally sure. But I just, it seems like there's always a crunch here. But I, I, and I like to think that God prepares me, allows the crunch, but, and then, then usually when it's over, I think it's a new beginning. It's an excitement. God gets me through it. He got me through that night, and I didn't have to go to the hospital. I did show up here, and uh, I actually had to go home and change and come here. Anyway, Rosh Hashanah, it's a, it's a, it's a day of uh, God remembering us. Day of judgment. God, day of judgment. I like to think of day of remembrance and day of judgment sort of the time. You, same thing. You heard Joyce say before, there's God judges. It's a time of royalty. God sitting on his throne. God ruling at this time. God is ruling, and he's calling all people to judgment. Now, our tradition is that God today starts judging us. It's not true. He judges us. He sees us all the time. He's remembering you all the time. You have to ask yourself tonight, what is your relationship with him? It's just not that you came here tonight to bring in the new year, but you have to evaluate yourself. What is your relationship with God today? If you are over here as a non-believer and you've never put your trust in the Lord, it's a time for God, hopefully, to speak to your heart. What is your relationship with God? What happens if right now you die? Where will you be? Will you be in the presence of God? You have to evaluate that. You as a believer, we have to ask ourselves, what is our relationship with God? Am I going through the motions? Is God pleased with me? I know I'm going to heaven because I put my trust in Messiah. But what is my relationship with God? It's the day of God remembering us. It's a day of God judging. But he always watches over. And he's always watching us. Not just for these next uh, phrase it's called. Day of awe. The days of awe. Ten days. Our people will tell you. People across the driveway. In the other parking lot. 
They will tell you today, God opens the books on Rosh Hashanah tonight, sounding of the trumpet, and for the next 10 days, till the trumpet sounds again, the end of Yom Kippur, these are the days of awe when God is judging you, opening up the books. That's not true. He's not opening the books. But there are two sets of books. There are. The Bible does clear us. There's the book of deeds where God records everything you've ever done. And God will judge you by that to show you that no one by their deeds earns heaven. Then there's another set of books. Thank God there is this other set of books. This other set of books is called the book of life. This book of deeds has nothing to do with this book of life. Everyone is judged by the book of deeds, and no one does well enough. So how do you get into this book? Well, for most of you, and most of you know, that for me, on a certain day in history, good, uh, I'm not quite sure what hour, about 10.30 at night, but anyway, somewhere around that hour, I quietly prayed. And I just told God that night with a couple other Jewish believers that I believed I had sinned against God. I believed that he died for my sin, and I now wanted to put my trust. I wanted to believe in him and accept the Messiah into my life. You know what's amazing? He wrote me in this book of life. Now, some of you are going to say I was written before the foundation of the world. I know, I know that. Yeah, I was. But officially, I, was re- I had to come to that point. The only way you get the book of life And after God looks at the book of deeds, which he will, and he says, you didn't make it. Nobody made it. Mother Teresa didn't make it. Gandhi didn't make it. Who else? I don't know. Give me some holy ones. I don't know. None of them made it on their good deeds. So, you failed. You open up here. There you are. Because you put your trust in Messiah. Anyone. There are good people. I'm not saying there aren't some good people. There are good people. And there are bad people. But the only way you get in this book is by putting your trust in the Messiah. And it's not during the 10 days of awe. It could happen tonight. And sometimes it has happened. Last thing, uh, last thing this holiday is called... Feast of Trumpets. Well, that's the blowing of the show. It ushers in the new year. I want you to write down these things. I usually read them. I'm not going to read too many of them. Uh, Write this down. There are certain traditional, and that's what I love about this holiday. There's so much tradition. And Joyce, she does so much to look behind so many of the Jewish traditions that are supposed to be for this holiday. And some of you don't realize how much she's put into finding just those right verses, those right phrases, those things. It's wonderful as I sit there, and I thank you. But certain verses that you must think about on this holiday. If you're celebrating it tomorrow, maybe some of you had a dinner tonight, or tomorrow, or the next day. If you are celebrating, here are some of the verses you might want to read. First, Leviticus 23, verses 23 to 25. Write it in your notes. God, or Moses, gave this to us. Of course, it was from God. And it says, again, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, speak to the sons of Israel, saying in the seventh month, There it is, just when you need proof to tell people this isn't the first month, it's the seventh. There it is. In the seventh month, uh, you shall have a rest, a reminder, blowing of the trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any work. You shall present an offering by fire to the Lord, period. That's all it says about Rosh Hashanah. How in the world do we get so much out of just these two verses? But this is where God told our people, in the seventh month you shall do it. Write this down. Numbers 29 
shows you the observance, how they did it with the offerings. We don't have to look at it, but it's Numbers 29, 1 to uh, 6. Israel observed it in ancient days with the sacrifices. Write down the third verse passage they have to read, which I spoke on a couple weeks ago. Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 to 14. I love this passage. Write this next to it. God provides. God provides. God provided for the sins of the world. God provided for mankind's problem. God made it possible. The beautiful thing about this, the God of heavens and the earth, the creator of all, the eternal infinite God cared so much about us to solve our problem so that you can enjoy his presence now and forever. I know I will set eyes on him one day. Hopefully that doesn't sound wrong because I know, according to these books, Larry didn't make it. According to this book, I got in because I put my trust in Messiah. And so, where was I here? Oh, God provided. Good. God provided. Now, this is the beautiful thing. Write, write this down if you can. God provides. Watch this. God provided for Adam. What did he provide? Skins. God did a sacrifice so Adam and Eve could have atonement covering for their sin. God provided for Adam. Skins. God provided for Noah. Righteous generation. Noah and his family. God provided for Noah. What did he provide for them? Write it down in ark. God provided for Abraham. What did he provide for him? A ram. Write it down. God provided for Israel. What did he provide for them? Sacrifices. Sacrifices for Israel. That's good. Truly Messiah. Sacrifices pictured Messiah. God provided for all mankind. You got it. Very good. Genesis chapter, write it down, 22 verses 1 to 14. There's another passage I want you to look at just here. The scriptures for the holiday, you have to read Micah chapter 7. I'm preaching through Micah, and some year I will get to chapter 7. Some year I will get. We are in chapter 4 in case you didn't know. You remembered. I was a couple months ago. Anyway, chapter four, Micah chapter 7, right next to that passage, because Jewish people in these two days read all these passages. And so you could go home and feel like you're participating. Read the passages. Micah chapter 7, verse 18 through 20. This is God forgives. Now, I like this passage for a reason. Listen to me. Where Micah says, who is like you, God? Who is like you? You pardon iniquity. You pass over the sins, the rebellious acts of the remnant of your possession. God pardons. He passes over. You do not retain your anger forever. God's not angry because he delights in loyal, unchanging chesed, loyal love. You will again have compassion on us. Aren't these beautiful things that God says? Pardon, forgive, not have anger. You will again have compassion. You will tread our iniquities underfoot. Yes, you will cast all their sins into the depth of the sea. You have given truth to Jacob, unchanging love to Abraham, which you swore to our forefathers from the days of old. God will do all this. Now, the thing I don't like about reading that passage, because I will preach it, is as soon as you hear God forgives and loves and he has compassion and unchanging love, isn't that sweet? He is not a doting grandfather like you see me when all my five grandkids run up each week here and I play the tambourine with them. God is not just sitting there and saying, oh, don't anything you do, you're okay, you're good. No, all this that he does is based on something. And most people don't say it. They read it and just say, God forgives like that. 
and God is just, he's a big, loving, warm grandfather, just accepts all of us, and that we don't have to worry. Your deeds, you don't have to worry about it. Well, there's got to be a price paid. All that is contingent on the death of Messiah. That's how he's able to forgive you. God forgives. Micah chapter 7. Write down another passage. Psalm 29. God rules over the creation, over the world, over mankind. God rules, judges. He rules over everyone. We're not going to read it, but read Psalm 29 where it says, Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty. Ascribe glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord. Ascribe to the Lord glory and power. They read Psalm 29. And finally, the psalm that they read, Psalm 81 Psalm 81, God commands it. He said, sing for joy to the Lord our strength. Shout joyfully to the God of Jacob. Raise a song. Strike the timbrel, the sweet-sounding lyre with a harp. Blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full moon, on the feast day. They read this passage. Those are the, the passages that they read. Fill this in. What, how do they observe this holiday? Fill this in for a minute. First, they greet each other with Lashana Tova Tikatevu. Everyone... Or Shana Tova. Okay, well, people say, do you say Shana Tova? Do you say Shana Tova Tekatevu? Do you say Shana Tova? Do you say Happy New Year? Do you say Hag Sameach? Hag Sameach, holiday, Sameach, joy, joyful holiday. They say all that. What I'd like you to do is right now stand up. Everyone, stand up. Stand up. I know you were relaxing, you got comfortable. We didn't bring pillows in. You need to stretch. Now what I want you to do, it's not going to be easy. I don't, yeah, I'm not going to let you run. Anyway, turn to the front, back, side, north, south, east, and west. Greet each other with a warm holiday hug. I want to see some confusion right now. Too much, too much. Let's go. Everyone, what I'd like you to do, remember that. Afterwards, do it again when we get challah and apples and honey afterwards. Okay. Don't be in a rush. It's a sin. Don't rush home. I know tomorrow you're supposed to be, well, actually, some of you are not working, taking the holiday. If you're working, you're supposed to be tired. Be tired tomorrow. It's okay. God will honor you for having a joyful, happy Rosh Hashanah. Anyway, healthy, prosperous, happy new year. Another observance, Jewish people observe this holiday for two days. Actually, they begin tonight. A lot of Jewish people tonight are in the synagogue. Most of our people are home enjoying brisket, kasha, potatoes, simis, rogala, and they're just finished for the night. And... Uh, but tonight, there's a big meal normally, or you go to synagogue and say the prayers if you're spiritual. Um, and then tomorrow, for two days, they're in the synagogues as well, saying their prayers and welcoming in the new year. And they have their prayer book. Most of us have to follow along. They go very quickly, and so we read. But they celebrated for two days uh, the holiday of Rosh Hashanah. As I said, they'll greet each other, and they reflect on this for uh, two days. Uh, 
They observe this holiday also. They reflect for these 10 days. They do. They observe it for the 10 days, beginning last night, going to Yom Kippur. Uh, Unfortunately, a lot of our people are very superstitious. And they think that only these 10 days count. They really do. So they make up with their enemies. They really, they really do. They make nice. Now, I was preaching yesterday, and I meant it, that we should be truly not just doing it at this time of the year, but that you should be evaluating yourself and realizing people are just like you and I and have the same struggles and problems you and I, and you should get to know them and hear their heart and be able to truly forgive. But a lot of times, unfortunately, people do it for the 10 days beginning tonight for Yom Kippur, and then at the end of that 10 days, they never talk to that neighbor again. And they, but, but we should truly reflect on these 10 days. They observe these 10 days of awe. Uh, fourth thing they'll do, they'll blow the trumpet. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, they blow the trumpet. And fifthly, the last thing they observe, they eat apples, especially I was having a holiday dinner with my family, and we said, where are the apples? You can't have it without apples. So if you leave here without an apple, you've greatly sinned and you haven't observed Rosh Hashanah. (laughs) You have to dip it in honey, so that means you'll be sticky on the way home. And you have to have challah with raisins. The challah is significant. It's around the challah, signifying the circle of life, the circle of the year. It's got to have raisins in it which is a symbol of sweetness for a new year, and they have round, sweet hollows, and it's great, great joy to eat that. I want you to see and write these words down. Jewish understanding of this holiday, if you're really talking to an observant Jewish person who really understands it, he will tell you probably five words that this symbolizes this holiday. And write this in. One, he will tell you it means regathering. He is right. Regathering, it's really an agricultural term for the gathering of the harvest. It's the end of the harvest. It's the end of the harvest season. And they regather all the harvest. That's truly what happens. But it's a picture of God regathering his people at the end of the age. And God always promised he would regather his people. He would disperse them and scatter them. But at the end of the age, God made a promise that he would return draw the Jewish people back to the land of Israel. So they talk about regathering. The picture, the real picture of this holiday, Israel being regathered. I also think it applies to believers being gathered to the Messiah at the rapture. We'll deal with that in a minute. It symbolizes rebirth. Rebirth, the head of the year, a new beginning. It symbolizes, and Jewish people will tell you, royalty. It's very big, this holiday, royalty royalty, right, God's right and duty to judge the world. He does it, they say, for 10 days. And, uh, and he judges the world those 10 days. The fourth term that Jewish people will think about is remembrance, I told you. Now, when I said about remembrance, day of remembrance, do you remember what I said, that aspect of that remembrance? God is supposed to remember us. But now, the word is symbolic in a different way, remembrance. We are called to remember him. We are called to remember him all the time. And you hear me week after week. And my heart's desire, my prayer, is that I would get a congregation that every morning would remember God. That is what we are called to do. And I know people get mad at me and say, you're a morning person. I am. So, if you want to remember God before you go to bed, that's good too. Not as good, but it's good. Joke. 
you are to remember God all the time. What a joyful way to wake up in the morning. You say, I'm too tired. I told you what you do. You go to the sink, get that cold water. I can't handle cold water. I put hot, warm water. But put the cold water. Then you go downstairs, put your coffee in, get a big cup of coffee there, and wake up and spend time talking to God, reading His Word, remembering Him. He, he is waiting for you to meet with Him every morning or night or night. I just like going into the day with God behind me. What I like to do, what you should be doing, is reflecting on what the day is going to bring. Lord, I'm going to do this today. I'm going to do this today. I'm going to do this today. Would you be in it or cancel it and change it? We have to be open to that. I told you the other day, for two years, I planned a trip to Hawaii. Two years. And I'm a planner. And I planned it for two years to take my five grandkids, two daughters, their two husbands, my wife and me, to Maui. I got them a two-bedroom oceanfront condo. I got my other daughter a two-bedroom oceanfront condo. I got my wife and I a separate one-bedroom oceanfront condo. I planned it for two years to go on the... I couldn't go on... I could not go on uh, uh, August 23rd. Couldn't work it out with my Marriott points. I had to go on August 24th to Hawaii. Do you know on August 24th, the only hurricane that ever hit Hawaii <laughs> landed on August 24th this year. Canceled the flights, and I canceled my trip. Two years. So in case anyone ever says nothing bad ever happens to the Feldmans, you got it. Although someone told me it may have been a good thing. Yes, because he knew best. And I don't know what his plan was, but you better make up for that. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I am so sorry, Lord. No, 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 no. You don't have to make up for that at all. You've done more. Please forgive that, that wicked statement that I publicly said. Oh, no. But it's very important that we... Where was I? I have no idea. Uh, he remembered me. As I said yesterday, someone said to me, did you thank God for the hurricane? Yeah, I had to thank God for the hurricane. He knew. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, remember, remember, and the last thing Jewish people will tell you, it means repentance. We are to repent, turn back to God. Moses, Joshua, the prophets, Ezekiel, they're all telling, turn back to God. The Jewish holidays, if you have your outlines, the meaning of the Jewish holidays I, I, I told you, and you, I reflect all the time. Everyone look up very easily here. The first of the Jewish holidays, setting aside uh, Shabbat, first of the Jewish holidays is Passover, death of Messiah. The next of the Jewish holidays is the resurrection of the Messiah, first fruits. The next of the Jewish holidays would be Shavuot, or Pentecost, God giving his law, God giving his spirit. Then there's a break in time at the end of the age. The next holiday is where they all fit in. Rosh Hashanah, God does what? What's the main idea in Rosh Hashanah? Regathers. He's going to regather his people back to the land of Israel. The exciting thing is he started it in the 19th century putting on the parts of uh, people, individuals, uh, people like Herzl and Eliezer ben Yehuda and I got, I got Pinsker and all these Jews. He put it in our hearts to return to the land. He's been doing it. Rosh Hashanah, 
official gathering. The trumpet will blast. It's been happening. The trumpet hasn't blasted yet. That's the fulfillment. Sometime in the future, regathering. After he regathers them to the land of Israel, he will cleanse the nation of Israel. And uh, we're going to learn about that in Yom Kippur. He will cleanse the whole nation of Israel. What he does for the cleansing of the Israel, Israel is based on the death of Messiah Passover. And because the Messiah died in Passover, God can cleanse the whole nation of Israel in the future. And because it's available for them in the future, it's available to you and me today. Because Messiah died. Regathers Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, he'll cleanse you. And then after the nation of Israel is cleansed, he comes to live and dwell with his people. Sukkot. Fill it in now. Last thing. Here we go. If I can get it. Speaks of rejoicing. Rejoicing in God's victory. And I like to think, and I like to set this scene, that in the darkest moments of our life, God is right there with us. He's always there. People say, where was God in the Holocaust? God was weeping and enduring it with his people. It tells us that in Isaiah. In the darkest moments of your life, the darkest moments you're going through tonight, and we are going through dark times, all of us. I don't know your problem, but I know it, we have problems, all of us. It's dark. In Messiah, there's victory. When you hear the trumpet blast, and I'm just going to summarize these, but I love to tell the stories, but I'm going to summarize. There's three major trumpet blasts that I always focus on. One, After Moses died, Moses led the people for 40 years, brought them out of Egypt, performed the miracles, sent the plagues, brought them through the Red Sea. Moses, there's never been another Moses after Moses, brought us through the Red Sea, preserved them 40 years in the wilderness, the snakes, scorpions, food, bread, meat, everything. Moses is our only hope. Moses is on the other side of the Jordan, brings him to the land of Israel. And I love, actually I don't love, but it's pretty rough. Joshua chapter 1, God speaking to Joshua. Moses, my servant, is dead. Dead, he's gone. You're going into a land that has people stronger than you. You have a motley crew here, two, three million people that don't know what they're doing. And I'm taking you into the land. And you know who's in the land? The Amorites. The Amalekites. I'm trying to remember this. The Jebusites. I try to do it alphabetically. The way I can remember it is you do it alphabetically. The Canaanites. Gee. Jebusites. No, no, J. Gergesites. Hittites. Hivites. Perizzites. There's a lot of ites in there. And they got your number. There's no hope. Then you're going into a town, Jericho, that has some big, strong walls and strong people. You don't stand a chance. But listen to me, Joshua, Jewish people. I want you to circle Jericho. How many times? How many times have you been here and I tell you every year and no one gets it right? How many times did they circle the walls? Thirteen. Someone's listening. Thirteen. Where's Larry get thirteen? Once a day. How many days? Six days. On the seventh day, how many more? 
Okay, get the calculators. Six plus seven. How many? How many times? And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, the walls will come down and you will defeat the enemy. The beautiful thing about that story, you will kill everyone because they're wicked and godless. They're like a cancer. Except one. Now, this was a special person who had a lot, a lot. No wonder they spared this one person. This was a person who was a Canaanite, the worst people on the earth. This was a person who was, forgive me, a woman. Now, in that culture, it's different. I'm not saying bad. No, don't call me, you know, go get on me here now. Anyway, in that culture, a woman was bad. She was a Canaanite. Not only that, she had a great occupation. She was a prostitute. God spared her the trumpet blast? He spared her because she said to two spies, I've heard of your God. And we all fear and tremble from your God. And will you spare me? She put her trust in the Lord. When you hear the trumpet, spare this woman who became, who was the mother of Boaz. The great, great, great or great, great grandmother. I got it somewhere. There it is. Mother of Boaz. Mother-in-law of Ruth. Great, great Grandmother of David. Great, 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 great. How many greats? I don't know. Of Yeshua the Messiah. See, it's not your deeds, folks. It's whether you're going to trust the God of Israel. The sound of the trumpet. The sound of the trumpet's victory. God brought it to Joshua. Shortly thereafter, we see a dark time in Israel's history. Period of Judges. The period of Judges, look up here for a minute. I'm going to. Give a quick cycle. This is the period of the judges, the whole book. This is it. Israel disobeyed. You could write this. Disobeyed. God disciplined, sent enemies. Israel repented. God sent a deliverer or deliverance and then gave them peace. It's a cycle, 13 times in the book. In one of those cycles, chapter 6, Israel's in the darkest time. No weapons. They're not allowed any weapons. The enemy comes in, destroys, and takes all their cattle, all their food, everything. They're not allowed any weapons. They're servants to the Midianites. It's the worst time, one of the worst times in the period of the judges. And the one man is hiding out in a a wine press, trying to get some wheat for his family, and an angel appears to him. An angel says, I'm going to deliver you. And he says, I've heard about you. Why are we in such trouble? And basically, after all the miracles, you know what he says? When you hear the sound of the, there's victory. And God gives Gideon 32,000 people. Did you know that? Yeah, you should have known that. And then he says, but it's too many. So I'm going to chop the 32,000 down to how many? 10,000. Gideon says, I can't do it with 10,000. He goes, you're right, too many. I'm going to give you 300. I feel like Gideon should have said, yeah, thanks a lot for 300. What am I going to do with that? I'm afraid if he said that, God would say, I'll take the 300 away from him. Anyway, God could have done it with one. But the point is, when you hear the sound of the shofar, there's victory. God brought victory. There's a third trumpet that I love to hear. It's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 
the sound of the one of the great kings of Israel, Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat brought revival in Israel, taught the Jewish people the Bible, sent out teachers throughout the land, caused revival, celebrate the holidays, built up the temple, caused great revival, and everything should have been peaceful. And then it says millions of Munites were coming against Jehoshaphat to kill him. And Jehoshaphat's words are this. We are helpless against this great enemy. We are helpless and we don't know what to do. But our eyes are focused on you. What a great place to be in, isn't that? Lord, I don't know what to do. But my eyes are focused on you. And you know what God tells him? Go out with the trumpets. Get that tambourine playing. Get Jim on his guitar. And I picture Jehoshaphat saying, no, no, no. That, I understand that's the victory afterwards. What do we do to go out against the enemy? All right, here it is. Get Jim on that guitar. Larry, get your tambourine. Get ready to play and sing and dance. Get Tiffany dancing with the people. Get everyone rejoicing. No, no, no. I have to battle, Lord. There is no battle. Blow the trumpet. When I hear the trumpet, I will have them kill each other. You just rejoice and bring in the spoil. The trumpet blast means God's victory. In the fullness of time, at the perfect time in human history, when the Romans were about to stamp on our people and took their only hope, their only hope of life and salvation, took him, beat him with a cat of nine tails, should have killed him, put the crown of thorns on his head, and then it says crucified him when all of life went dark. At the worst moment in history, the darkest time, Messiah came and brought us victory. When you hear the trumpet, everyone, think of the trumpet of God's victory. Rejoice in the victory that God brings for all of us, but especially those who put their trust in Messiah. Let me conclude here. I never conclude, right? You know, that's, that's a, when I say conclude, you start to panic. Okay. But I said it talks of... Uh, Rejoicing, the la- write this one in now. It speaks of uh, the return of our people. So, uh, it speaks of the regathering of the Jewish people. Fill it in, the return of the Jewish people. When you think of Israel, and I like to speak about this when I think about Israel, I think of a people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, their wives were barren. There's, from the beginning, there was no hope. Everyone was against the Jewish people. There was no hope for them. Every nation of the earth came up against Israel. Every nation. The facts that they could survive is an impossibility. Jewish people could not survive this. Egypt was against them. Their policy wiped out the Jewish people. Assyria, the period of judges, the Babylonians, Haman, The Romans, Titus, Amalek, Amorites, here we go, Perizzites, Canaanites, 
Hivites, Hittites, Girgashites, Jebusites, Middle Ages, Hitler, Holocaust, Muslims, violent Muslims, Palestinians. There's no hope for our people. Let God says there'll be a land, there'll be a language. I, I, I'm going to stop for a minute. I just finished the book. I've always recommended, never read it fully, just finished a little while ago. You need to run, read the book, Tongue of the Prophets. If you never have, put it right up there on your list right now. Tongue of the Prophet. It is not about tongues, folks. Actually, it is. It's about languages. Eliezer Ben Yehuda's life story. In the 1800s, one man who argued with Herzl. Herzl believed we needed a land for our own. Herzl was ready to take Uganda, Argentina, anywhere. Eliezer Ben Yehuda said no. And the Jewish council in Basel said no. It's got to be the land of Canaan. Not only that, we have to have one language. They brought the tongue of the prophets speaks about how he, one man, revived the Hebrew language that was dead for 2,000 years. It is a great, great book. You should read it, how God brought about the, the Hebrew language in our time. But the reason I say this, there was no hope for a people. There was no hope for a language, a land, a country, a future. Yet it says in Isaiah, follow along, 11, it will happen on that day, the Lord will again, the end times, the second time with his hand, uh, he will recover the remnant of his people from the world, basically, Syria, Egypt, Pathros, Cush, the whole world. God will lift up a standard for the nations. He will assemble the banished ones of Israel. He will gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Here is the fulfillment of Rosh Hashanah, everyone. Isaiah 27, in that day the Lord will start his threshing from the flowing streams of the Euphrates to the brook of Egypt. You will be gathered up, this is it, one by one. O sons of Israel, it will come about that in that day there will be a great trumpet, the Rosh Hashanah trumpet will be blown, yet to be, I think next week sometime. And those who are perishing in the land of Assyria, I was joking, it's sometime in the future. In perishing in the land of Assyria, they were scattered in the, land, uh, in the land of Egypt, will come and worship the Lord in the holy mountain of Jerusalem. In spite of the impossibility, God is going to, someday in the future, on Rosh Hashanah, regather our people in the land to prepare them for the kingdom. Jeremiah puts it this way, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when it will no longer be said as the Lord lives, the way we always think about, who brought up the sons of Israel from the land of Egypt. But as the Lord lives, who brought up the sons of Israel from the land of the north, from the countries where he banished them, for I will restore them to their own land, which I gave to their fathers. God promises our people restoration. Someone, I just heard a song on the promise of restoration. Please be patient. Can we have that song? O daughters of Zion, O Abraham's sons, hear the words of your father, hear his promise of love. I will make you a blessing, so count the stars if you can. Give you this land I 
You might want to pray. I'm going to try to get him to our Southwest Conference in uh, February. Uh, Aaron Schutz. Uh, uh, you can, what's it? S-H-S, what? Schutz. S-C-H-H. S-H-U-S-T. T. Look it up, YouTube. You'll get something out of that. You look up YouTube, Aaron Schutz, uh, Zion. It's on YouTube. You could get that. It's a new artist I've just heard, and uh, he's going to be involved with us in the Messianic movement in October. And so um, I'm hoping to woo him out here for our Southwest Conference. I didn't know where to put that. But anyway, last thing, the holiday I said speaks of rejoicing in the trumpet, the victory of Messiah, but the real meaning is the regathering of his people. The trumpet will blast. Trumpet will blast. He'll regather Israel. I also believe, in your outlines there, the trumpet will blast, and he will gather the believers. I only read this so we can hear this trumpet again. It says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as the rest who have no hope. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Messiah will rise first. And all those of us who remain will be raised as well. I believe the trumpet officially, according to Isaiah 27, will blast. There will be official beginning for Rosh Hashanah for our people. But I also believe that we as believers at that time will be raised to be with the Messiah in the clouds to be with him forever. Rosh Hashanah, everyone, calls us to rejoice in the victory, God's victory that he brings us. He brings non-believers the victory through Messiah. He brings you and I the victory every day as we look to him. But he also, it also expects, we expect, the return of our people. We can rejoice that God will bring back his people to the land of Israel. God has a promise to all those, and all those who believe in Messiah, God will bring you to be with him as well. As our Jewish people said to Yeshua, what must we do to get to heaven? What must we do to do the works of God? What must we do to earn God's favor? Yeshua answered, this is the work of God, that you believe on him whom God has sent. To all those who put their trust and believe in him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Rosh Hashanah's hope for all the Jewish holidays are in the Messiah. God calls us to turn back to him, to remember him because he remembered us. Father God, we thank you for this. We thank you for Rosh Hashanah and all the rich meaning of our holidays. We ask now that you would Give us joy, rejoicing that there's victory because of Messiah. We give us joy that we could remember the regathering of our people as you've seen it in our own lifetime. Give us joy that we might be caused to rejoice that we will one day go to be with you forever, all because of Messiah. We want to commit all this to you and thank you for it in Yeshua's name. Amen.